Hey, this is Kaz, and this is Nightmares at Midnight. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Like I said, my name is Kez, and this is Nightmares at Midnight. Hopefully you have listened to our first few episodes at this point. I just want to catch up a little bit as I've been kind of out of the office per se for the last couple weeks. My grandma got pretty sick for a little while back in Wisconsin, so I made an emergency surprise trip back there to spend some time with her. That was the week before Halloween. Um, I had planned to do a different Halloween episode, but it didn't quite work out. But that's okay. We will continue with the spooky as we go all year long. And this episode is about Hug and Molly from Alabama. So we'll get to that in a little bit here. A few things. I just want to thank everybody who's been tuning into each episode and telling everybody about the podcast. You guys are the real MVPs. (laughs) Thank you for becoming fans. That being said, if this is your first episode that you're listening to, you can follow us on Instagram at Nightmares at Midnight Podcast, or we are on Facebook, and you can check us out there. Um, You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Index, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and Podcast Addict. You can also email us which I would love to get emails to let me know what you think of the podcast or what you want to hear. Um, Our email is nightmares at midnightpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if you want to hear a specific myth or legend or spooky story so I can check it out. While I was on the flight, which from here is an eight-hour flight, I was listening to the different episodes, and of course I listened to them before I published them, but I was listening to them again, and there's a few changes that I want to make, so stay tuned for that. I kind of want to adjust it a little bit. It's not quite going the direction that I want it to go, so I'm just going to do some adjustments, so bear with me as we do that. And as always, thanks for being patient with me as I learn how to edit and learn how to do your commercials and your ads. I just appreciate you guys hanging in there for me. So let's talk about what we're watching. Last week was Halloween. We've now moved into November. I can't believe it's already the 8th. I feel like this year is just flying by. I was in between my mom's and my grandma's house over Halloween. So we didn't necessarily watch scary things. Actually, Halloween night, we went to go see George Clooney and Julia Roberts' new movie, Ticket to Paradise, in theaters. So quite the opposite of spooky, actually. But it was pretty funny and, I guess, romance comedy which is not my typical movie but I enjoyed it I like a good George Clooney movie Uh, he's a silver fox for me for sure anyways watched that one um on the flight besides listening to the podcast I also watched a show on Netflix called Dead to Me it has Christina Applegate Linda Cardellini, James Marsden. I don't know if you know who that is. He's from the Enchanted movies uh, where he's normally like in musicals and singing. He's also in Sonic the Hedgehog. He's in Henchmen. 
He's in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Superman Returns, Hairspray, X-Men. I think he was in Hop, too. I'm pretty sure that was him as well. So this is completely opposite for him. It was good. I watched, I think, the first season of it because I was scolded. I'm not allowed to watch Yellowstone without my husband anymore. So I had to find a different show to watch. And then since I've returned home... I have started watching Killer Sally on Netflix. It's about a pro bodybuilder, Sally McNeil, who shot her husband. And it's kind of about their life story. Uh, They investigate her. And I mean, it's pretty good for what I've started watching. I've only watched the first episode and a half of it. So I'll have to let you know how that goes. As a busy mom, it can be hard to take care of yourself. Even harder when you need to leave the house alone for that self-care. My friend Jennifer has a solution for that. She offers in-home massage in the Wasilla and Palmer, Alaska area. Her business is called Anchored in Relaxation, and you can find her on Facebook and Square Appointments or by emailing anchoredinrelaxation at gmail.com. Mention you heard about her here for a free peppermint scalp massage added onto any massage. All right, so let's jump into it then. This week's episode is about Abbeville, Alabama. They have a legend there called Huggin' Molly. When you enter Abbeville, the town name sign has a silhouette of a woman chasing a boy on it. So that tells you how popular this legend already is. Abbeville was settled in 1822 and is full of history. Abbeville is on the southeast part of Henry County and is the oldest city in Alabama. First occupied by then known as Creek Indians, People have lived there since then. When Europeans colonized the area, they established a trading post in the community, and in 1819, when Alabama became a state, the city grew again. Henry County named the city as its seat in 1833. Abbeville comes from the Creek Indian name for the area, Yataaba, which means the Grove of Dogwoods. Unrelated to Hug and Molly part of this, while I was researching Abbeville, they actually have an event. I think it's in the springtime that they call Yada Abba, and it's basically like vendors come, uh, food and crafts, and so it looks pretty cool downtown. Anyways, the story is Hug and Molly roams the streets, and if children are out after dark, she chases them catches them, gives them a big bear hug, and screams in their ears. There's no reports of her killing anyone, but the screams are known to stay with you for life. She's known to be about seven foot tall. That's what I've commonly found in descriptions. Uh, She wears a black long gown and a wide-brimmed southern-style hat. There's a few versions saying she carries a parasol or an umbrella as well. Uh, The story has several versions of startup. One is that the settlers from Ireland that started Abbeville brought the story with them over. And then there's a version that she was a woman from the 1800s that lost her infant child and would roam the streets to give the children hugs due to losing her own. 
and that was the way that she dealt with the pain. Another was that she was actually a male professor at the Southwest Alabama Agricultural School and would hug the kids to keep them safe by scaring them off the streets to torment them or or torment them or torment the students in order to remain safe in their housing on campus. Parents didn't have to tell their kids to stay off the streets because Hug and Molly was well known. There's an account from Mac Gregory, who was born in 1901, so I'm sure he's passed by now. But uh, at the time of his encounter, was a teenager, and he used to work at a grocery store. And one day after work, he realized someone was following him in the dark. When he turned to see who it was, he could barely make out a tall, wide, black-robed figure in the darkness. As he sped up to outpace the figure, the figure increased its speed to match. This continued until he could see his house. He then sprinted up the steps and opened the door and went inside. Of course, Molly was gone, but her message stuck around. From that point on, Mark refused to do any other deliveries after dark. A similar story comes from the mother of another teenager who was out late. A sixth sense told her that he might be in danger, and she was compelled to run out to the porch. There, in the dim light of the night, she saw him hurrying up the driveway, a dark figure coming up fast on his heels. She screamed at her son to run and held the door open until he could rush into the safety of the house. There's another entity that she commonly gets confused with, known as the woman in black, that apparently haunts the streets of Abbeville as well, but apparently they are two separate entities. Um, in a nearby city called Phoenix City in the late 1800s, the Columbus newspaper reported over several weeks that there was a ghost there of the Hug and Molly variety dressed in a long black gown and was appearing at night. By the end of the 19th century, there were stories of Hug and Molly in other places, some were copycats, like in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there was a man that dressed up like Hug and Molly just to be able to get away with hugging pretty young women. This made the story continue to grow and twist and turn. In Headland, a couple towns over from Abbeville, a Hug and Molly impersonator caused such a stir that the editor of the local newspaper had to post a strongly worded warning, and I quote, some unprincipled person is parading the streets of Headland at all hours of the night dressed as a woman in black. It is frightening the women and children and causing our large number of dogs to be kicking up a racket at most any time of the night. I have been requested to notify the person or thing that it will be shot on sight by a certain husband and father whose wife and children were frightened out of their wits the other night. Somebody is likely to get herded if they don't learn to behave themselves. Now, in the 20th century, the ghost story is still around. There are many who still remember the tales of Hug and Molly that they heard as kids, some who even might tell the same stories to their kids now. Either way, her legend is still going strong. The last time that Molly was seen that I have found recorded was in 2010 during the annual Yada Abba Day, a celebration of the Abbeville's heritage. A local teacher was leading a tour through the cemetery when a dark figure appeared between the headstones and stormed away, scaring the living daylights out of everyone present. 
It is unclear if this was just a publicity stunt. If it wasn't, at least no one got hugged. In Abbeville, there's a restaurant called Hug and Molly's to celebrate her. There's items on the menu called Molly's Fingers or Chicken Fingers. This restaurant seems to be frozen in the 50s, as they call it, with the authentic soda fountain and collection of antiques. When I was researching Abbeville, I noticed in a lot of the pictures that their downtown is literally made to look like it's in the 50s still, and I think that's super cool. This would be one place that I'd like to visit for sure. As far as books for it, there is only one that I could find. Uh, It's called Alabama Lore, the Chocoloco Monster. Hug and Molly, The Lost Town of Cottonport, and Other Mysterious Tales. The author was Will Elric, and you can get that on bookshop.org. That was the only book I could find out about this. I recently have been hearing a lot about this card game, MetaZoo, and it kind of seems like it's a cheap knockoff version of Magic the Gathering. But uh, when I was in Rhinelander just last week, I went over to the Hodeg shop and they had MetaZoo cards and so it's interesting that I'm hearing this again but there is actually a Hug and Molly card. Other than that, the only other merch really that I have found for her was on redbubble.com and I included the link for this in the show notes but all they had was a Hug and Molly Abbeville, Alabama sticker. And it kind of has a woman kind of reaching towards you in the sticker. You can check that out if you're interested in that. Okay, so that's all I have on Hug and Molly. But as a small surprise, I'm going to go ahead and do a second ghost story this week. Since we are in Alabama already and we're already doing a woman ghost, I found another one in Alabama named Sally Carter, and her story is in Huntsville. Uh, Huntsville is about 280 miles north of Abbeville. It's like a four and a half hour drive if you're willing to make it. So Huntsville is located in the hills north of the Tennessee River. Its population is around 215,000, making it the most populous city in the state. It was founded in 1805 as Twickenham and it was renamed Huntsville in 1811. Today, Huntsville is a thriving city with its main economic influence from aerospace and military technology. The Redstone Arsenal and NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center are located in Huntsville. So if that gives you a little bit of idea of where it is, it's um, just south of the Tennessee border. So the modern city has had its share of legends and folklore, though, and one of them involving the ghost of Sally Carter at Cedarhurst Mansion. Stephen Ewing built the Cedarhurst Mansion estate in 1823, and it wouldn't be long after that tragedy was going to strike. A relative of Stephen Ewing, Sally Carter, died of sudden illness at the age of 15 while staying at the mansion on November 28, 1837, so that anniversary is coming up pretty quick. Sally was three weeks shy of her 16th birthday. Sally had loved the estate, and that is why, some say, you can still feel her presence there. Sightings of Sally go back to 1919, 
when 17-year-old boy slept outside Sally's bedroom. That night, it was raining, it was stormy. He had a dream that Sally visited him, or so he thought it was a dream, asking him to prop up her tombstone because it had tipped over. So when he woke up the next morning, he explained the strange dream and told his family that he was going to Sally's grave. They laughed at him, of course, and didn't believe him. But when he arrived there, her stone had, indeed, fallen over in the storm. This popular local legend ends with the boy going back to his hometown, never to return to Huntsville again. Previous to 1982, Sally's grave was in the family plot on the estate. She had so many visitors, there was a well-worn path from the road. She did, unfortunately, also have many teenagers vandalize her grave. That is why in December of 1982, Sally, her sister, and her sister's three children were relocated to an undisclosed location in the Maple Hill Cemetery. That is, her casket was relocated. Some claim that when her grave was excavated, the casket Sally was supposed to spend eternity in was empty. Besides tombstones falling over and caskets being empty of mortal remains, Sally has also stirred up local folks being sighted walking the grounds of the estate that she loves so much. A past guard at Cedarhurst heard Sally walking upstairs while working one night. After the woman's shift ended, she realized she had lost some money while doing rounds. After searching the grounds, hearing footsteps following her and the unnerving flickering of her flashlight as if its batteries were ready to die, the guard gave up the money for lost. But once she returned to the guard shack, her flashlight flickered brightly, shining directly on the cash she had given up for gone. It was then she chose to thank Sally and claims to have heard a young woman's laugh in return. Someone who knew both the Thornton and the Grace families who lived in the house had a friend who slept in Sally's room. When asked what it was like, the friend told him about doors opening and closing by themselves, covers getting snatched off the bed, and light switches being tripped. The girl thought it was all rather annoying, but after a while got used to it and ignored the strange goings-on. Many women claim that their jewelry has been broken in the area, beads and beaded necklaces scattering everywhere. Sally's spirit is known to watch children as they sleep. She has also been seen roaming the halls and the grounds outside the mansion. Visitors have also reported disembodied footsteps and voices, furniture moving on its own, malfunctioning electric devices and items breaking and or going missing mysteriously. So this kind of reminds me of the Lizzie Borden house. Um, When you go to visit there, there's quite a bit of paranormal activity happening. Of course, it doesn't sound like Sally was murdered. It sounds like she was, she had gotten sick rather, but still I think it is super spooky when houses have the ghost entities happening. I would enjoy checking out this mansion, but you cannot be let into the mansion anymore. Apparently it's in a gated community and only the people that live there now are able to be in there. So that's unfortunate. But I thought it was a cool short addition to add to the Hug and Molly episode. So we had Hug and Molly and 
Sally Carter, both from Alabama. So I'm thinking now that Thanksgiving is coming up, I think I'll do fall episodes and then in December start doing like the elves and the goblins and dwarves and Krampus, of course, is going to be happening closer to Christmas time. I do want to let you know I will be having surgery the 23rd of November, so episodes might be kind of on different days that week or the week after, but I'll do my best to get them out there. And like I said, if you want to drop me a line on what are some episodes that you'd like to hear or locations. I would like to do different states, maybe some from a few different countries. I was thinking about doing the Red Dwarf from Detroit. We'll just have to see. So yeah, drop me a line at the email Nightmares at Midnight Podcast or check us out on Instagram at Nightmares at Midnight Podcast, Facebook at Nightmares at Midnight Podcast. Listen on Spotify, Google Podcast. Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Index, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and Podcast Addict. If there are some things that you think would be cool to add to the episodes, I would like to start making them a little bit longer. So maybe I'll start doing like two or three pretty typically per episode. And I just would love to hear any critiques or thoughts that you have on it. I'm also starting to think about getting into some merch as well. Let me know on the Facebook page or drop me a message. If you'd be interested in, you know, a shirt or sticker or something of the sort from Nightmares at Midnight podcast. So thanks for tuning in and please, please, please share so that way we can get the podcast out there a little bit more. And as always, thanks for listening and catch us next time. Seeking occupational therapy services for your child in the Wasilla and Palmer area and you're on a waiting list? Clinic setting just isn't cutting it? Too many options or not enough? Wild Free Kids OT may be your answer. With no wait lists and extensive training, experience working with children and adolescents with behavior issues, we offer mobile, community, and nature-based OT where it matters most. You get real results learning alongside your child and without compromising your way of life. Give us a call at 907-215-4438 or check us out on Facebook or online, Wild Free Kids OT.